It's Sunday, March 3rd. I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to the West Block Podcast. Here's what's making headlines this week. For a period of approximately four months between September and December of 2018, I experienced a consistent and sustained effort by many people within the government to seek to politically interfere in the exercise of prosecutorial discretion in my role as the Attorney General of Canada in an inappropriate effort to secure a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. That I and my staff always acted appropriately and professionally. I therefore completely disagree with the former Attorney General's characterization of events. You just heard from former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould, who was testifying before the Justice Committee hearing last week on the SNC-Lavalin controversy, and then you heard from the Prime Minister on what he thought of what she had to say. Today, we'll also hear from the government and the opposition, plus some analysis on the political crisis this government is now facing. Explosive testimony calls for the Prime Minister to step down and a cabinet shuffle, all as MPs begin a two-week break away from Parliament Hill. Former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould told the Justice Committee last week she experienced a consistent and sustained effort by the most powerful people within government, including the Prime Minister, to politically interfere in her decision on the criminal prosecution of the Quebec-based company SNC-Lavalin. Joining me now from Montreal is the Attorney General and Justice Minister David Lametti. Minister and Attorney General, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Minister, we heard testimony from Jody Wilson-Raybould this week. She alleges that she was under a campaign of sustained pressure for months that she described as inappropriate. The Prime Minister disagreed with her assessment. Who do you believe? Well, look, I wasn't there, so I I wasn't privy to any of those discussions, uh, so I can't really say. I can tell you what they both agreed on, uh, which is both of them have said, uh, my predecessor in her testimony in front of the committee and the prime minister, both have said that that they felt nothing was illegal. And so we can agree on that part of the narrative. As for the rest of it, I can't uh, can't say because I wasn't there. Can something be legal without being moral, though? Well, look, there's something called the Shawcross principle uh, that, that... governs, uh, I suppose, the relationship between cabinet and the attorney general in these kinds of affairs. Uh, I, cannot, I can speak to that generally in the sense that the Shawcross Doctrine says that the, the attorney general isn't an island, that the attorney general can have conversations with his or her cabinet colleagues, uh, but at the end of the day has to make a decision uh, on his or her own. Uh, so one, once again, I can't put myself into my predecessor's shoes to know to know uh, what she was feeling, or or even to, to appreciate what but others Minister, were doing. If, but the if standard. He, if let, the me say, let me just say the standard is pretty high. The attorney well, general in this case had made a decision. This wasn't consultation in advance of the decision. She's saying that she told people she thought the pressure was inappropriate, that she had made her decision, and that she was being pushed to change that decision. Some of the things she alleges were said include that any any solution would require some kind of interference under the law, uh, that the PMO didn't want to debate legalities anymore, and that there was an election. Are those reasons that you should have an attorney general interfering in a criminal prosecution of a, a corruption trial? Right. Again, I, I can't uh, I can't speak to how what people said or how people felt because I, I wasn't I wasn't part of that. But if decision. someone approached what you and said say, an election well, is at stake, would that be a persuasive well, argument to you? 
it, it, it again, it depends on the context. The, the leading case from so the wait, UK. So wait, sorry, just to stop well, you there. Leading, but an no, election but the leading, could be a reason for an attorney general to interfere it, it, in a criminal prosecution. That would be appropriate. I'm not saying it would be appropriate or inappropriate uh, because I wasn't there and I don't know the context. But how could, but, it, how but could winning I will, an election I will ever tell be an appropriate you, reason for an attorney me, general to intervene in the justice system? Let me tell you uh, the leading case from the UK, which went to the House of Lords in 2008. So it's a fairly recent case. It was the Saudi government putting pressure on uh, Tony Blair's government in the UK. Tony Blair, as prime minister and other ministers, called the attorney general and said, if you go ahead with this inquiry, there will be blood in the streets. Um, and the House of Lords found nothing wrong with that. But so they, they felt it was not an inappropriate uh, amount Sir, of pressure in, in, to put on the Attorney that, General. Sir, we both know that in the United Kingdom, the Attorney General does not sit in cabinet and is not appointed by the Prime Minister, so there's no consequence if the Attorney General doesn't listen to the Prime Minister, unlike here in Canada, where if you don't do what the Prime Minister says, he could demote you. Um, well, you can, also, you can also be moved in the UK as Attorney General. You're still appointed by the Prime Minister. Um, so you could make the argument, actually, that, that the argument is actually stronger uh, in, in uh, you could, the argument from the UK extrapolated would actually go in the opposite direction to the, to the manner But are, are political considerations it. for a party in power supposed to be something that is considered in our justice system? I mean, the cornerstone of democracy in Canada, a big one, is that we have an independent judiciary. And now you have cases where a politician is saying she was asked to intervene for political reasons and for jobs not because there was an actual judicial reason and that she believed that was inappropriate. Again, according to the Shawcross Doctrine, uh, in general, political con considerations are uh, appropriate for discussion around the cabinet table. But and not after a decision is made. Well, let me let me add again. I, I wasn't at any of I wasn't at any of these conversations, so I can't evaluate the, the, the I can't evaluate the context. I can't evaluate the language that was used uh, and and the manner in which the conversations happened. And all of that's critical, actually, to trying to trying to decipher all of this. But what I can say is that that even as Attorney General. Um, you do have an ongoing uh, obligation as Attorney General in terms of your relationship to prosecutions and the prosecution service to be open to new facts. Um, and, and, and so, again, I, I can't speak to the actual conversations that happened, but in, I know that in principle an Attorney General has to remain, uh, has to remain open. Uh, so in that sense, uh, no decision is ever final. The other thing to remember in this particular case um, and, and in the structure of our law, there is a legal structure in place in which the, the, the director of the prosecution service uh, makes an independent decision. If the attorney general, in uh, conjunction with cabinet colleagues uh, taking advice, takes a decision uh, to uh, issue a directive, and that directive is legal, so it's interference is... Uh, Interference is, is perhaps the wrong word in the sense that but, it implies but Jody that Wilson something Rabel illegal is going But Jody decided she was not going to do that. I mean, that's what the issue is here. It wasn't that she hadn't made her decision and they were lobbying her. She'd made her decision. She was asking them to back off. But let, let's go to you because it, I understand you weren't in the room for those decisions. So right. you are looking at the possibility of giving SNC-Lavalin a deal now, correct? I have, uh, as I have uh, said on a number of occasions, um, that is the law. That possibility exists. So uh, in why the would law. you, why would you decide? And, or, uh, that's or, not to say. Again, I, I'm I'm just going to add a very important caveat here, uh, because of what, uh, because everything I say uh, on this matter will be scrutinized, and because there is ongoing litigation, uh, I'm not going to say 
anything more than, than what is obviously descriptive, which is uh, I'm up to speed on the file, I appreciate uh, that there is a legal possibility, but I'm, I'm not going to say one way or the other that I'm considering it or, or I'm not considering it. Were you aware when you took the file and, and became aware that this was a possibility still that your predecessor actually had made a decision on this and that the answer was no? I had not. I was a Montreal MP, as I said, so I was generally aware uh, of the file. Um, but I, did, I didn't have any, any specific knowledge uh, about... Uh, well, I, I mean, I had, I had the knowledge that you and I both had, have, you know, reading the newspapers and, and, and seeing what's out on the media. Would, would it have given you pause if you'd been aware that Jody Wilson-Raybould had already said no to this? Would you have been willing to reopen it anyhow if you knew that the answer was already no? Again, I, I don't know. I wouldn't at that point. I didn't know all the facts. At this point, I still don't know all the facts, uh, and so I, I, it's a hypothetical question that I can't answer. Now, you've mentioned, you know, and the, the government has mentioned jobs in all of this, and it's something that the prime minister keeps mentioning, and a number of cabinet ministers. But if you read the actual legislation, it says in the case of deferred prosecutions for companies like SNC Lavalin, if they are facing the kinds of charges they are, which are corruption economic considerations are off the table. So why does the government keep using jobs as an explanation if it doesn't qualify under the current rules? Well, again, I would, I would just point you back uh, to uh, the rules, because once again, anything that I say will get hyper-scrutinized. Uh, there, there are a number of provisions uh, in the Act uh, which, which open the possibility for looking at the impact on employees, uh, on, on uh, third-party contractors, uh, on shareholders, uh, and on pensioners. And so um, it, it, a lot is in the framing, but I, I would say that, that uh, and I would suggest to anybody who's interested in the file, to really take a, 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 a close, hard look uh, at the Act. But once again, I am not, uh, I am not saying one way or the other uh, that I am moving forward or not moving forward on this particular file. You spent many years as a very well-respected law professor. This is something that's going to be taught in law classes for years. If you were talking to your students, how would you explain to them the difference between appropriate and inappropriate pressure on an attorney general? Well, that, that's an interesting question. Uh, I obviously try not to engage uh, with... Uh, uh, I actually can't really engage uh, in the same way with hypothetical questions as, as an elected member of parliament and cabinet minister as I could uh, when I was a student. Um, I, think, I think, as always, you try to raise uh, all aspects of the issue. You try to see everything from as many points of view as possible and try to, as best as possible, reconstruct the facts. Um, Again, I can't really go any further than that on this particular case, uh, simply because I don't, I don't, and can't possibly get uh, access to all of that information. Now we just have a couple of seconds left, but there is a letter submitted by five former attorneys general to the RCMP asking them to investigate. Your thoughts on that letter, sir? Well, again, I, I have no comment on it. The, what the RCMP does is entirely independent uh, of of uh, of my office, certainly as as attorney general. Um, and they, uh, they have a wonderful and proud tradition, uh, and they will continue to do the work that the, the good work that they do uh, for and on behalf of Canadians. Do you um, think that, that Canadians should be concerned? Because you hear this from Uber drivers, from Starbucks baristas, from all kinds of people, that prosecutorial independence in the justice system perhaps has been compromised if, if politicians can now interfere. What do you say to those Canadians at home who have those concerns? I think they can be assured that our prosecution service uh, is exceptionally well run, 
uh, as, as the director of public prosecution said a couple of weeks ago in a very public statement, uh, she feels that that they that all of their that the, all of their investigations have been done independently, and there hasn't okay. been interference. Well, that, the Jody Wilson-Raybould did refuse to intervene, but uh, thank you very much, Minister. That's all the time that we have today. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much. Well, the Conservatives are calling on the Prime Minister to resign, and the NDP want a public inquiry. The government is refusing to do either amid allegations of attempted political interference made by former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould. The Justice Committee has been at the centre of the storm investigating what actually happened. Joining me now to talk about this file is Conservative Candace Bergen and for the NDP, Daniel Blakey. Welcome both to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We just had an opportunity to listen to that interview with David Lametti. I'd like to start with getting your reaction, Candace, to what he had to say. Well, my first impression was how incredibly evasive he was and didn't want to answer questions directly. I think some of the very uh, sincere and, and, and qu questions that he should know answers to. I was very troubled by his response to whether political uh, results and election results should be considered when interfering with a, a criminal trial. Uh, and and in, in addition to that, where there were some other things that were very troubling, uh, I find it very difficult to believe that when he became attorney general, he was not aware of the decision that the former attorney general had made uh, around the DPA. So there was uh, a number of concerns. But overall, to me, what it looked like is we have a current attorney general who is completely under the thumb of the prime minister. What a comparison between the former attorney general, who is clear, concise, knows the law, is very direct. We heard that in her testimony. And David Lametti, who was vague, evasive, didn't want to give an opinion, and I would say is doing exactly what the prime minister wants. Daniel? Yeah, I mean, what we need right now from the attorney general is clarity. It's what we need from the prime minister, too. And that interview was anything uh, but clear in terms of his answers. And his evasiveness, particularly around the question of whether, you know, political considerations were appropriate uh, factors to consider when deciding whether to move ahead with a criminal prosecution or not were troubling. It reminded me, I had the, I had the Minister of Public Services and uh, Procurement and Committee on Wednesday and asked her repeatedly, directly, whether or not she would say that, you know, the bribery of public officials is a very serious but offense. What about and she refused to answer that. In fact, she said the government didn't have a position on whether or not mm. uh, that was a serious offense. What about the jobs at the end of this? To be fair to the 9,000 people who work for SNC-Lavalin, who are not accused of corruption, who just work for the company, wouldn't any government try to find some way to preserve those jobs, Candace? Having political interference from the prime minister, sustained pressure, threats to an attorney general to change uh, a decision in a criminal trial is never the way in Canada to protect she, jobs. Should that, she be that able is, to stand up to that? Because people have said, well, yes, there was pressure, but look, she's obviously a very strong well, lady, she and did. she didn't cave she to did. it. She didn't cave to it, and she thought, after October 19th, when it entered the criminal phase, and then certainly after Christmas, she thought it was done. But the pressure continued, and then when she didn't do what they wanted, they fired her. That's what we're talking about. You know, she, the, the pressure was there. She felt it was uh, too severe. She told the prime minister, you, basically, you better step back. He didn't. The clerk of the Privy Council said to her, the pr prime minister's in the mood to have his way. He, they pressured and pressured, and she did not succumb to it. And then they fired her. And so they're, they're clearly, they, they not only overstepped the boundaries, they could very well have been participating in criminal activity. Okay, and and I, that's why we've asked the RCMP. You've asked the RCMP. 
the Justice Committee is doing its thing. There was a lot of criticism from opposition MPs. It wasn't achieving it. It seems like it's functioning now. Uh, your party has asked for a public inquiry, Daniel. What would it achieve that the Justice Committee is not already doing? Well, look, there's a couple of things that aren't working to the extent that we need at the Justice Committee. The first is that they've adopted a very limited scope for their study. So there's only so many things they're going to be able to get to the bottom of. But the real problem is the fact that that, that committee has a majority of Liberals on there. And I, I think and for any Canadian listening, I mean, that knows that ultimately it's going to be six Liberal members of Parliament that decide the findings of that committee, that's, a, that's an—they ob obviously have a political interest in what is said and, 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 and what the conclusions of that investigation is. So, you know, when you're talking about ethical standards, whether there's a real conflict or an apparent conflict, that's enough. So the idea that somehow Canadians are going to get clarity and walk away feeling like they got the full story from a committee that, uh, that still has yet to invite an, 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 a number of key witnesses. So, you know, Gerald well, Butts was only invited when he asked to be are invited. are going to be coming next week. We'll get to that but in just there's, a moment. You know, there's uh, Katie Telford and others that, that right, were implicated. Eleven, 11 people we'll were see implicated. We'll see if they get anywhere with that. But I, I want to go back to that RCMP investigation, because mm -hmm. there's it's not just the Conservatives who have asked. There's also five former Attorney Generals. That's right. But Jody Wilson-Raybould herself said that she does not think anything illegal happened. So well, what's the point of well, asking for the RCMP? So she was not able to talk about some of the things that happened when she, when she became Veterans Affairs Minister, as well as around her resignation. So there's more information that needs to be brought. I, I don't think she would say that she's the beginning and the end of whether it is criminal. Uh, that it would be for the uh, for the RCMP to look into. There is enough enough evidence and enough opinions to say that there could very well be criminal activity that's gone on. There have been Canadians with far less political connections who have been convicted of this uh, and certainly charged with uh, obstruction of ju justice than some of the circumstances that we're seeing now. And because of the evasiveness, we have seen for almost a month, the Prime Minister changing his story, refusing to answer questions, blaming others. And then we heard the testimony of the former Attorney General, which was very compelling. It was meticulously documented, and it told a story of threats, of intimidation, of pressure from the Prime Minister and his office. This has to be looked at uh, via the criminal level, and the Ethics Commissioner obviously can't do that. It would have to be the RCMP. And we really need the Prime Minister to step aside, because well, okay, so they can't continue. You keep asking for the Prime Minister to resign, but why not let the RCMP finish their investigation if they even launch one? before you jump at it. Did you think, Daniel, that that's a little bit premature? Well, look, I think that it's up to the RCMP whether or not they launch an investigation, but that doesn't mean it's wrong for people to ask them to. And it's not well, every day that, you get, that you get former attorneys general who do that. So I think that's a really significant request, mm -hmm. whether or not the RCMP ultimately decide whether but to investigate. But do you think that the prime minister should step aside? Well, we've called for a public inquiry because we think there's a lot more to know. And it may be that, it, that once we actually get to the bottom of what's going on, that that is the most appropriate course of action. Action and that we end up calling for that. But right now, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think Canadians want answers to okay, those and questions. Speaking of those questions, we just have 30 seconds left. So very quickly, what do you each hope to hear from the witnesses at committee, including Gerald Butts and the clerk of the Privy Council who will be back this week? Well, I would like to hear the truth, and I would like to not hear him discredit uh, the jo Jody Wilson-Raybould, which I'm afraid that he, he might do. But ultimately, we need to hear from the Prime Minister himself. We need him to testify under oath. Daniel? 
Well, we've heard the conversations that have happened with Jody Wilson-Raybould. We need to know what the conversations were around those conversations between members of the uh, PMO and, and what they decided. I'd like to know what the Prime Minister and Gerald Butts talked about last Wednesday when they, when, okay. they, when they talked after he resigned as well, and whether they're just trying to get their story straight and get on the same page, or whether they're actually going uh, to provide some genuine testimony. wrap it up there because we're out of time, but I'm sure we'll be talking about this again next week. Thank you both for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you very much. The Liberal government is in crisis as the SNC-Lavalin scandal rages on. Joining me now to get to the bottom of this story, Susan Delacourt, Bureau Chief of the Toronto Star, and Jules-Denis Bellavance, Bureau Chief for La Presse. This was absolutely bombshell testimony this week. What kind of effect has it had on the government, Susan? Well, I've been uh, asking around, uh, and I find Liberals are quite nervous. I think there, uh, somebody told me a long time ago that Justin Trudeau gets very calm when Liberals are nervous. Uh, Justin Trudeau is very calm right now. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> too calm? I think some think. Um, but yes, uh, this week uh, I deliberately went out a lot and, and reached out a lot to talk to Liberals, and they are very nervous about this. Uh, one actually said to me, one MP, uh, probably cost us the election. Now, wow. that may be really nervous, but I think that there is—certainly um, it wasn't what they were expecting. I think there had been an expectation among some that the Prime Minister's office had this in hand. Mm, it and, can't be that bad, right? Right. Um, and uh, like all of us, I think a lot of Liberal MPs were stunned on, uh, on Wednesday. What did you make of the government's handling of it, J.D.? Did they do a good job? No, I don't think so. Uh, the rebuttal has yet to come, I think, for, in a forceful manner that would compete with the version that Madame Judy Wilson-Ribble offered uh, uh, on Wednesday. And so uh, she came at that committee very well prepared, as though she was pleading her case before a judge. So she came with dates, precise details, actors of this uh, soap opera drama. And then I think if you talk to the Main Street people, people will see that. And the rebuttal that the Prime Minister offered the same day at the same night, and most people would argue that uh, the justice, the former justice minister, said the truth, said her truth, and so we should expect a rebuttal uh, this week from uh, Jerry Butts, the former principal secretary, and we'll see where this will lead. But I can tell you that liberals are shaking in their boots as a result of this testimony. Well, and you have quite a cast of characters. I mean, if you were going to write a House of Cards episode, <laughs> I don't think you could have more powerful people in it. You have yeah. the prime minister's chief of staff, his former principal secretary, the finance minister, his chief of staff, the clerk of the Privy Council. Can Trudeau keep all of these people in these jobs, or does someone's head have to roll, Susan? Uh, well, uh, again, some of the liberals, I—, I, I I don't know whether Trudeau is going to clean house. He's a loyal person to the people around him. Um, but certainly there are liberals in this town that uh, this whole episode has given them license to say what they were already annoyed about with the prime minister's office. It's insularity, um, the fact that it's very hard to, to penetrate that circle. I think that— uh, that there's a way in which the Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony has fed into the idea that a lot is decided in the star chamber of Langevin Block and uh, that they can't get in. So her ripping—truly uh, <laughs> ripping aside the curtain and showing how things work in there has confirmed for some people the idea that that is a closed world that—I uh, that I don't know how— 
I'm still trying to figure out how this government operates without Jerry Butts. Um, <laughs> I think so they're I, still trying to figure yeah, that out, yeah. too. Um, so it, it does seem they're going to have to bring in some people from the outside, I would think, but I don't know who those people I, are. I think it would be hard to clean the House because those key people are key to the election preparedness of the Liberal Party. Mm. So if the Prime Minister gets rid of them, he's got to look around and see who can help him uh, fight the next campaign with the same you know, strategies and vigor of uh, Jerry Butts or Kitty Telford. So I think uh, we can expect those people to remain around. J.D., how is this resonating in Quebec? Because we keep hearing SOC Lavalin yeah. is so critical to Quebec. What do Quebecers think of what the government has been saying? This is all about jobs in Quebec and an election. I think the Liberals were winning the debate before Madame Doody Wilson will testify this Wednesday. And once once she testified, the debate, the narrative of the debate has changed a lot in Quebec. Now people are more concerned about the fact that maybe the ruler of law was not respected by the uh, entourage of uh, the Prime Minister and other uh, key people in this government. And so uh, people are worried that maybe they were doing things to help a company that is already facing a lot of corruption and, and charges. And your paper had a report that was pretty damning this week, La Presse, about exactly what some of those bribes were. Tell us. Exactly. Uh, the, in 20, uh, 2008, uh, SNC-Lavalin paid 30000 of dollars of prostitute services to uh, help curry favor, uh, and those services were for the son of Muammar Gaddafi, who was in Canada for three months. Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. Susan, you know, they've, they've had a small cabinet shuffle. Can they right the ship at this point, and can they keep Jody Wilson-Raybould from going back in front of that committee? Well, first of all, I think people should understand we've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. I, again, seeing somebody who has basically imploded the government sitting still in the front bench of Parliament. I went this week and watched as the opposition, who are her best friends now, they're portraying her as the hero, and she's sitting there watching them attack her own government. It's it's a strange and— Why didn't Justin Trudeau just kick her out immediately when she said those things? Because we've seen the reaction to just the idea of her um, demotion in Cabinet, uh, let alone her quitting Cabinet. I think— he has to worry about that. I will say, um, I think people are not—I think people should tune in next week, not just for the spectacle of it. A lot of people don't know Jerry Butts. I think he's become a mythical figure. Uh, every, a lot of people would like to put devil horns on him. He's actually an impressive character. And I would think that there, he's going to be bringing his A-game to committee. And I think it'll be very interesting to see people's reaction. Last few seconds to you, J.D. If the Prime Minister kicks Madame Jody Wilson Ribble out of caucus, there may be other Liberals who will follow, uh, because she's got some supporters uh, within caucus. So it would be—so that's probably why the Prime Minister has not decided uh, to do th uh, the, the thing that some Liberals actually are, are already demanding. Okay. It'll be another fascinating week <laughs> in Canadian politics. Thank you to our journalists for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for The West Block. For more, please go to our website, thewestblock.ca. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.